Hi, I'm Elena Becker, and this is PS, the Puget Sound podcast, where we're talking with members of our community about their Puget Sound experiences. Today, we're recording from Moonyard Studio in Tacoma, Washington, and our guest is Rachel Johnson, a junior and an exercise science major from Seattle, Washington. You're from Seattle, right, Rachel? Yes, I'm, I grew up in Seattle. Where, so I also grew up in Seattle. I don't oh, know if you I know didn't know that. <laughs> Fun fact. Where in Seattle are you I from? I grew up in Ballard. In Ballard. Mm-hmm. Okay. And did you think you were going to go to college this close to home? I really didn't. I wanted to go to school in California. You know, I wanted to get get out of Washington and try something new and push myself to be a little more independent away from home. But I think there's also a difference between wanting to go far away because you think, like, a different region and a different culture is going to be a better fit for you right. and wanting to go far away because you feel like you want the distance or the end. Because I was in your camp. I, too, mm-hmm. thought I would go to college in California. I'm right. from Seattle because right. it just felt like a good distance yeah, absolutely. almost more than anything, mm-hmm. like enough to have a new experience and go somewhere else. But also you you can get home without it having to be right right a, a production and at that time I didn't really like to fly so that was also like I wanted a short flight mm-hmm. um and then I don't know if this is the same thing for you but Puget Sound got on my radar and it was like oh this is the right school right and once yeah. I had that yeah. since that kind of reframed everything for me about what are the actual things I need mm-hmm. to have that growth because it wasn't about just geography anymore as much as it was about community and opportunity and right absolutely and I think well you Puget Sound was the very first school I toured. <laughs> it was on my radar because my cousin went here. Okay. Um, she'd grown up in Alaska. And okay. so she came down. And I never visited her while she was here. She's a bit older than me. Sure. Um, but it just kind of put it on my radar. Yeah, because she said I, that you knew that's where she went to college and you knew she liked it. Right, the family right. Grapevine. And she was studying science just like I wanted to. Yeah. And so it fit really well for her. So I was like, might as well go look. So and me and my mom came, you know, on a day of my sophomore year. Right. And then it finally, like, opened my eyes to, like, these are all the cool things that college has to offer. Sure. And did you know on that visit, because your sophomore year is kind of early, were you right. like, this is it? Or were you like, that's kind of, in- college seems cool. This is kind of interesting. It definitely made me really excited about looking at colleges. You know, it was that first time that I had experienced college that wasn't like University of Washington. Right. You know, that was my idea of what college was like. And so it was a yeah, very the, like, big huge, R1 overwhelming, flagship D1 sports. Like, sea of faces. Right. You know, that kind of overwhelming feeling, which like makes me want to crawl up in a little ball. Um, <laughs> so it was nice to come to a campus and like, like be with a tour guide who was interacting with people like mm-hmm. as we walked around campus yeah. who like stayed after to talk to me and my mom like <laughs> about her experience specifically and everything like that and just that personal touch and it really like I went back and just like I think from there is when I started to really research small liberal arts right. schools after seeing Puget Sound and being like wow this is like what I want this is a category yes of it kind of opened that door for me and then when I was looking at all of those beautiful schools in California, um, it, it was always in comparison in my head. You know, it never right. drifted too far away in my mind. Right. And then how did you actually end up here? Like when it came down to brass tacks and you had to yes. make a decision, Yeah. how did you How did you do it? Um, I was definitely like a pro-con list kind of person. <laughs> Me too. Um, yeah. Absolutely. Like there was a lot that went into the decision. Um, you know, financial aid became a big part mm-hmm. of it. A lot of the schools in California that I was excited about didn't give um, me any financial yeah. aid. Um, I learned they didn't really have to. You know, a lot of students will pay full price for some of those big schools. Um, but Puget Sound stood out because, one, I wanted to study exercise science, and right. having that program here was so cool. Mm-hmm. Um, some other small liberal arts schools didn't have a similar way to study science in the way that I wanted to, so that was a big part of it. 
Um, and I also really liked the idea of a, a small campus with a Greek life um, and things like that that got me interested in Puget Sound that stood out to some other schools. Rachel, I'm really interested in the fact that you said exercise science was especially appealing to you yes. because I think that is a department and a division where the name is a little bit misleading. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mostly because I think it suggests that it's studying exercise, right. which is not right. the case, right? right? Will you explain a little bit about what that is and what you do academically? Yeah, absolutely. I think exercise science, the best way to describe it is you take a base of all the different scientific disciplines and then you build it up into the human body and you get more and more specific as you go up and it's this really cool path that you take as a student so your first year on campus you're taking introductory biology and chemistry and physics and statistics and all these kind of baseline classes and all these different scientific fields and then you use a lot of those ideas and processes through those programs um And as you get up through your sophomore and junior year, you start to apply it into the human body and see Mm -hmm. how all the different science that we know interacts within our own bodies and within our own scale. Um, And then you go into anatomy and physiology as well as nutrition and biomechanics. And um, you can take it in that exercise route. Exercise physiology is one of the disciplines um, within the major. What are you interested in doing, you yourself? Yeah, so I... um, I'm headed towards occupational therapy. Cool. It's kind of the route I wanted to go. So a lot of students in the program are headed OT or PT. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the idea of OT and working in a hospital. I, you know, I always knew I like loved the idea of working in a hospital, but I never wanted to be a doctor. Right. Like that wasn't really where I saw my strengths. And I've always been kind of a support system kind of person. Yeah. And I think the rehab side of medicine is a really really cool field, and I love working with people. And I also love working with science. And I think. Something like occupational therapy is that beautiful mix of the two, and I can do everything that I've wanted to do within that. Will you just explain quickly for the benefit of defining terms, what is the difference between occupational therapy and physical therapy? Sure. So I think the best way to describe occupational therapy is um, activities of daily living. Mm. So they're called ADLs, um, so (laughs) some technical terminology. But just (laughs) making sure someone um, can do everything that they need to do throughout the day. Right. So it depends on kind of the population you're working with. So... Um, in some of the elderly communities, it's making sure you can get out of bed unassisted and brush your teeth and use sure. the bathroom and dress and all those kind of things that someone needs to get through their day. And um, sometimes you can train people and work with people to do it on their own. Sometimes you need to provide some extra tools and um, stuff like that, resources to help them get through those kind of things. Um, this semester I was shadowing an OT in an elementary school. Yeah. So that was a really different way to look at it. Um, so working with kids with pretty profound disabilities um, and some different techniques that um, we can use to help um, their uh, hand-eye coordination or response to activities or social skills with other students um, and all of those different ways of looking at it. And that feels to me like it's different from physical therapy and that physical therapy is rehab for specific injuries. Yeah, so it tends to be a little more specific. So it kind of depends... Um, so, like, uh, in a hospital, someone might see an OT and a PT, mm. um, and the PT is going to be a little bit more focused on can – do they have full range of motion in their right. arms? You know, can they walk unassisted? Sure. Um, how is their balance on one foot? You know, those kind of things. Yeah. And then the OT will come in and take those skills and then turn them into – or focus on specific activities with them. How did you realize that OT is what's interesting to you more than PT? 
What kinds of things have you been able to explore? Just how did you figure that out? Sure. So um, my mom works in special ed. So that was kind of a nice window um, into that. Um, And I don't know. This is definitely untrue. So it's my own just bias in my (laughs) mind. But physical therapy to me always seemed like intense athletes, Mm. you know, that kind of route. Um, And OT to me seemed a little bit more of what would fit my personality. Um, and I know that's not a good reason for choosing a discipline. No, that's a, a great reason. Um, just from an outside window and um, every experience I've had shadowing an OT has been wonderful um, and just something that I could see myself doing. So it's just kind of what fit and what felt right. And you just said every experience you've had, which makes me think you've had more than one. I'm, I, so I've um, last semester shadowed um, in elementary school. Yeah. And then I've had some opportunity to um, like – observe in a hospital, not do a ton of work, but sure. just kind of get a window into what it would be like a little bit. Do you feel like that role manifests really differently depending on what the setting is, whether you're in a school or you're in a hospital or you're elsewhere? Yeah, absolutely. Um, like the OT in the school is working with the same kids for, you know, all five years that they're there. Whereas someone working in a hospital um, with rotating patients, sure. you know, is going to have someone new every day and that kind of thing. Um, so what you're looking at is going to be so different. And there's so many different routes you can go. Like there's so many different specialties. You can be a hand therapist right. and work on such a minute scale if that's something you're interested in. So it's such a wide field. And I think that's something that excites me uh, going in, knowing that I could kind of do a 180 within the same field right. with the same master's degree. Right. Um, if I just am ready to try something new, like that excites me later on. Speaking of things that excite you, yes. have you had a favorite class that you've taken in your degree? Has there been something that's been particularly interesting to you? Yeah. So this semester I took neuromuscular adaptations, <laughs> uh, which sounds really scary, but it was the most interesting class I've ever had. Um, my advisor was the professor of it. Mm-hmm. She's incredible. Her name is Jung Kim. Um, and it's all about how your spinal cord and your muscles interact and how your muscles cool. work on a fiber basis and everything that we know and everything we don't know about the muscles and spinal cord on that level. And it's such an interesting yet specific field Yeah, um, that she's been able to do a ton of work in herself. And so she brought a lot of that into the class and... Now that I feel like I'm getting up into those upper level classes, right? you know, the first week of class, she said, I don't care if we get through two chapters of our textbook or 20. <laughs> you know, I just want to make sure we're engaged. You're asking questions. You're understanding the material. You can take it in the way that you want to go. And it was nice mm-hmm. to have a class with that freedom. That also feels unusual to me in STEM fields, mm-hmm. which I think of as being very quantitative and very, right. like there are clear benchmarks for understanding and for accomplishment mm-hmm. that you can put in numeric terms. Right. And so to hear a STEM professor say a big part of this is making sure that you're demonstrating learning and you're asking questions mm-hmm. and you're engaging really organically with the material, right. it feels unexpected to me. Yeah, and it was nice to kind of have that pressure off from you're going to memorize all of these things, and when you leave, you're going to know how to do this. (laughs) Right. And it was much more, like she said, the theme of the class was communication, Mm -hmm. Uh, because a lot about science is communicating uh, what you're learning, and sometimes you have to communicate it to a popular audience, and you have to take, oh, I'm working with this really specific motor unit fiber type in this obscure muscle right and i learned this really cool thing but now how do you get that to a general audience who doesn't know all that scientific lingo um and we did a lot of partner work and that kind of thing um because she tried to make it a lot more real world applicable and i assume that you 
are able to practice that just by virtue of the fact that you have friends who are not STEM majors. Right. And you want to be explaining to them what you're doing and learning and experiencing. Yeah, it's been so interesting. Um, I was talking to a friend once um, who is in politics and government, Mm -hmm. and we were talking about, like, oh, what we had to do that day. And I was saying I was headed to the anatomy lab because I had to learn all of the tags on the cadaver for my test that was coming up. Right. And, like, our human cadavers that we have for our anatomy program. Let's just sidebar quickly before we get to what you said to your friend. This is also something that feels unusual to me for small liberal arts colleges to have cadaver labs. So, yeah, so incredible. Um, Yeah, two human cadavers for... um, there's, there was about 40 of us in the anatomy class. Um, our lab had like 10 people in it. Um, and then actually this year I worked as a lab assistant um, and got to do all the dissection. Yeah. So really got to have that hands-on right. learning experience with them. Which and I assume is huge for understanding anatomy. So huge. Like right. I think I walked away so like just understanding everything so much better and looking at the number of textbook photos I did and mm-hmm. models online, I thought I knew right. what it would actually look like and it I really didn't. Yeah. So it was an incredible experience to be able to do that. And I'm gonna work um in the lab again in the fall, so I'm really excited to get back in there. Absolutely. But I sidebarred from you saying yes, you were yes, on yes. your way to the cadaver lab, you needed to memorize the tags, you were talking to a friend. Right. And then we just got into this conversation about how different our educational experiences hmm. are and like she like could not wrap her brain about around what I was doing and she was headed to um I don't even really know what they're called, but like the mock classes. I'm sure there's a specific title for them. They like each are like a country and they do out these like uh, experiments in political science. Oh, I don't know what we're talking about, but it sounds great. Yeah, it it really hands on in its own way. Right. And it in like involves you in the material right. in a way that you would in a politics class. And so we were just in such a different scope even though we're students at the same school you know we're leaving with the same credentials like on our resume but we are having such different experiences but i also think the opportunity to talk across those experiences is huge right and that's one of the other things i like about the small scale and the type of community at a place like Puget Sound is you don't get siloed by department, right? Like right. you have this right. friend who's doing this mm-hmm. thing in political science. She has you as a friend yeah. who's in step, right? And you're mm-hmm. able to engage with those things and brush up against terminology and concepts that you maybe wouldn't if your right. community was other people in your discipline exclusively. Yeah, absolutely. And that's like the beauty of a school like Puget Sound. I have friends and I think probably every major yeah. and just... It's so fun going to their lectures right. or going to their performances or everything that they're involved in um, and seeing what else is out there and seeing what your friends are passionate about and what they're excited to be learning about and hear them go on and on about what they're so smart about. Because um, <laughs> I know they'll listen to me yeah. when I want to talk about what I've been learning. So. I love that kind of mm-hmm. learning from your peers because it, it makes it easy to get excited about something when the person you're talking to is also really excited about it. Right. Like what you hear? I'm Tori Henson, Assistant Director of Admission at Puget Sound, working with students in the Mid-Atlantic and the San Francisco Bay Area, as well as all of our transfer students. If you have questions about becoming a logger, email us at admission at pugetsound.edu. We'd love to connect. Rachel, one of the things that we have been asking everybody who comes Mm -hmm. on the podcast to do is to share what I'm calling their and list with us. Okay. So I'm conceiving of that as this idea that 
everybody at Puget Sound does a lot. You're not mm-hmm. siloed. You're not one note. You are involved in all kinds of clubs and majors and minors and extracurricular activities. Mm-hmm. So will you just run us through the quick list of what are the bullet points of your life at Puget Sound? Of my end list? Yes. Sure. Um, so I'm an exercise science major, and uh, I'm a peer ally mm-hmm. on campus, which is a group of about 20 of us, and we offer peer-to-peer support for survivors of sexual assault. So I pour a lot of love into Mm -hmm. that. Um, I'm involved in our Greek life, and I hold a leadership position within that. I work in our anatomy lab. I'm also um, a RISE ambassador through experiential learning. Explain what that is real quick. Sure. So uh, experiential learning has this really awesome program called RISE, Reflective Immersive Sophomore Experience. Um, And it's a quarter credit class that is designed to help you get an internship. So Mm -hmm. it breaks down all the parts of being an intern or getting an internship, um, which is great to have while you're in the semester of school, because otherwise it's really hard to prioritize finding yourself an internship. Sure. Um, So I did that program my sophomore year. And then this year as a junior, um, I was an ambassador, which is just kind of like a course assistant um, to share what I learned um, and the skills that I developed through having um, an internship and share some advice, share what it's like to get rejected from some internships (laughs) um, and kind of help some students go through that process. What internship did you end up doing when you yourself participated? Yeah, um, I worked at an organization called Girls Rock Math, Mm -hmm. um, and it's basically a day camp in Seattle. Um, for I worked at a camp with second and third grade girls, mm. and its themes are math and art and female empowerment, and it's all wrapped up into this one beautiful package um, of a day camp, and it was the most incredible experience, um, and I loved interning for them, and I'm going to work for them again this summer, mm-hmm. this time as a full staff member, awesome. and I'm going to get paid, so <laughs> that's a great improvement, um, so I'm really excited to get back to that. Will you talk a little bit about, as a woman in STEM yourself, Mm -hmm. what it means to you to be working with girls around themes of math and inclusion? And I think a lot of us recognize this, but there are sometimes narratives around girls don't do math. Exactly. Or, you know, women are wildly underrepresented Mm -hmm. in STEM fields. Talk just a little bit about kind of what that feels like to you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, you know, growing up through... Like elementary and middle school, I never saw myself as being good at math. Mm-hmm. And I remember this so strongly, I'll never forget this. The first day of sixth grade, um, the teacher said, Okay, this is honors math. Like, here's everything we're going to do, and went through the whole, you know, syllabus and all that stuff. And um, I remember being like, I'm in the wrong place. There's no mm-hmm. way I'm in honors math. There's no way I should be here. And at the end, I went up and told him I was in the wrong place because <laughs> um, I just didn't believe that, like, there was any way I'd be put in honors math. Right. Um, he assured me I was in the right place, that I had <laughs> qualified my test scores or whatever had gotten yeah. me there. Um, but I just remember the whole year just always feeling like I didn't belong. And mm-hmm. it took me a while to get that confidence that I knew what I was doing. I was getting just as good or even better grades than the boys, right. you know, and I I belonged, I belonged there and yeah. I was good at math. And it took a lot to get there. And I think a lot of that was just internalized from messages that I had been given mm-hmm. that I wasn't supposed to be good at math and that kind of thing. And it's really interesting now having a lot of confidence in right. my STEM abilities um, now that I've gotten to college level um, in those fields to talk to second and third graders right. who 
You know, some are coming like guns blazing, super confident. They know they're good at math. They're excited, you know, to do a week of math camp. That's their zone. Like they're ready. And that's so awesome to see because I didn't know many girls like that when I was that age. I will echo that too. Yeah. That that is a theme Mm -hmm. with more than one or two people feels different from my childhood also. It's, It's different and it's so awesome to see. But, you know, there's still the girls who their parents signed them up because, you know, math isn't one of their strong suits and their parents wanted them to gain some confidence and get some extra skills and just practice math over the summer. Uh, So that's why they're there. And some of them don't want to be there, you know, because they still don't see themselves (laughs) as it's something they want to do. So it's a lot of conversation we have kind of on the staffing side Mm. of what kind of ways can we encourage and have those conversations. And I think one of the things the organization does really well is has really open conversations about gender gaps in STEM. Including with the kids participating Mm -hmm. in the camp. And I think that's important to start those conversations early. And kids have a lot to say. And, (laughs) you know, they know what's going on in the world. And, um, like, I remember one of the activities was talking about, um, you know, if you got paid $8 to wash your car, but your brother got paid $10, you know, how would that feel? And then, you know, it's kind of hard to have a conversation about, like, wage inequality with a second grader but they put it in ways that kids can understand and just recognize like this isn't fair and yeah just because of your gender like things can be different so it's it's been an awesome experience to be able to talk to some young minds about that yeah and I imagine especially about something that you feel so passionately about right right and something that you love and enjoy and take joy from doing Mm -hmm. that that is also a really different experience than involving yourself with a big conversation like that solely because it's important. But to be able to do it in a way that's positive and exciting and fun, probably with kids at camp. Yeah, and sometimes, like, I've had more challenging conversations in college than I've had in my whole life. You know, there's so many students at this school who are so knowledgeable about Mm -hmm. so many different things and topics and issues and are, like, ready to debate at any moment. (laughs) And sometimes it's overwhelming to get in those conversations if you don't know the right terminology for things. Yeah, and you don't want to come off as ignorant or having wrong ideas or anything like that. Um, and so it's kind of fun to take a step back and like talk about girl power with second right. graders because it's just like it's all about fun and you don't have to think about all these complicated, minute issues that people my age want to be talking right. about. And we just get to talk about like how girls rule and all of that yeah. stuff. And it's fun to just take a step back wear a shirt that says girl power with sparkles all over it and do some math. That was such a perfect sentence. (laughs) I also want to chat with you a little bit about Greek Mm -hmm. life. You mentioned that you have a leadership position in Greek life. Yes. You also mentioned that that was one of the things you were sort of looking for in a school. That was something that attracted you to Puget Mm -hmm. Sound. I think a lot of people have, and we sort of touched on this, a very D1 big school understanding of what Greek life is. We just talk a little bit about the personality of Greek life at sure. Puget Sound? Yeah. So I would say it wasn't really something I was looking at schools for, mm-hmm. but it caught my attention sure. at Puget Sound in a different way. Um, it's so much more of a community feel, I would say, would be how I would describe the the personality of Greek life here. Mm. Um, it's where I feel most comfortable hmm. um, on campus. Um, It's where I've made so many of my friends, and it's given me the opportunity to apply for leadership positions, something that I'm not really one to do. I've never been one to, like, put myself out there and run for things Mm -hmm. like that. Um, And Greek life gives you a smaller community in a big school, 
where you um, can get to know people a little bit better, talk about some bigger issues, get involved um, on a bigger level. Uh, and it's just kind of given me a really nice foundation to then jump off of. And one of the things that I think is is notable about the way that Puget Sound does Greek life, and you should mm-hmm. say if this is different than how you think about it, but is that we don't do recruitment until the winter. Right. So all of the process of first-year students joining fraternities or sororities doesn't happen until, I think it's January. Yeah, January, right right after you come back from winter break. I think it's the best policy in the whole world. Mm -hmm. I think all schools should do it that way. Um, It takes, when I think of like a big school Greek life, I think of isolating. I think of, you know, a separate Greek row where all of your friends are and that's that's your identity. That's your only community. That's because that's how you make it manageable. Mm -hmm. And I like Greek life is a huge part of what I do on campus, but it's not how I define myself. Right. Um, And there's so many other things that I'm so passionate about on campus. And so I have so many friends in all areas of campus, in other Greek houses outside of Greek life, all different. Um, places on campus and I think a fall recruitment your very first week on campus before you even really know anything which is not what we do exactly would would take away that element that that freedom yeah that we have and also I think it's important to know the reputation of something you're joining like being a part of a sorority means a lot in our country you know you're Mm -hmm. aligning yourself with a lot and you have to kind of get to know at least in my opinion what you're signing up for and see how Greek life is, at least for a semester, that helped me figure out if it was something I wanted to align myself with or not. And I think what I would attach to that also is that the fact that you have several months to adjust to college mm-hmm. period before deciding yeah. if you want to join a sort of sub-organization mm-hmm. is that it, it stops it from being a knee-jerk reaction. So exactly. I think we end up getting people who, as you just alluded to, opt into Greek life really intentionally after mm-hmm. really having thought about it, and you avoid some of the impulsive oh my God, I'm new here and I don't know where my friends are going to come from and I'll, I guess I'll do this thing. Right. But you get people that have had an opportunity to get comfortable already and get that community in other places and then opt into it exactly. for the leadership opportunities or for that mm-hmm. extra level of community or for some of the opportunities uh, that, that Greek life provides. And I think it also takes away from you know, those students who, if they decide they don't want to go Greek, it, mm-hmm. it's less isolating. Right. You know, if all of a sudden everyone all of your friends are involved in sororities and fraternities and you're not you lose those friendships and those those involvements that you've made and for that to happen second semester is very different than it ha- to happen like your first week on a college campus yeah. and it, it takes that element away because you have ties to so many areas of campus and i think the way we do it too you do get to keep those friendships if your mm-hmm. friend joins a sorority you are probably already good enough friends after four or five months of friendship yes. that that's not such a hard turn right in your relationship yeah. I had kind of like a core group of friends my first year and we all joined different houses mm-hmm. um, and we were able to stay really close um, throughout and it was it was fun being in different houses and right. going through different experiences and like that first week being so giddy about what are you doing in, with this group and those people and who are you meeting and it really expanded our circles in such a good way yeah when I was at Puget Sound my best friend was in a sorority and I was not. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't something that I wanted to do, but it was kind of fun to be Greek life adjacent through her. Right, right. And to have a little bit of mm-hmm. a sense of what went on and to attend like some of the philanthropy events. And yeah. it uh, the way that it filters out into the community at large, I think, is also yeah. really positive. Yeah. And I'm really proud of a lot of the work that our Greek life does. Um, I think we do a lot to have those bigger conversations about Greek life and its inclusivity and its heteronormativity mm-hmm. and 
those kind of bigger issues that I don't know if other schools have the opportunity to have. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think our, like the leadership within Greek Life does a great job of creating those spaces available to talk about some of those issues that we can recognize in something like Greek Life that's not accessible um, to everybody for so many different reasons. And um, we're really trying to do things to improve for the next generation, you know, the next group that comes in um, to make their experience even better. Rachel, we are wrapping up all of our conversations with the same four questions. Question number one is, what's the best place on campus? Um, The best place on campus for sure is Oppenheimer Cafe. (laughs) If anyone says anything different, they're wrong. (laughs) I could spend all day, every day in Op. What are you reading right now? Um, I'm not reading anything right now as school is just kind of finishing up. You took your last final earlier today, you said. I took my last final. I'm done with junior year, which is crazy. (laughs) But um, the next book I have ready to read is, um, I don't know if you're familiar with the podcast called My Favorite Murder. I'm not. Okay, it's the best thing in the whole world. You should definitely (laughs) listen to it. Um, But they wrote a book, the two women who make the podcast. And I I had it pre-ordered on Amazon. It should be at my house when I get home for summer. It's going to be like my sunny outdoor reading book, and I'm really excited to get there. What is the best place to eat in Tacoma? Best place to eat in Tacoma? Um... I'm a fan of Ice Cream Social because I'm a big ice cream person. Um, but I also uh, really like Rosewood Cafe. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I ate there when I toured, and I think it has kind of held a special place in my heart. It's kind of homey. It's kind of quirky. The food's really good. It's comfort soups and sandwiches. And like, what else could you want? <laughs> Lastly, mm-hmm. what makes Puget Sound so special? Puget Sound is special because... I think people put academics first. That was really Mm -hmm. important to me, looking at schools. Um, I'm here to be a student first, but it doesn't end there. And the conversation keeps going. And you know kind of what you're talking about. Everyone has those lists of things that they're involved in and things they're passionate about. And people put time into what they want to put time into. You know, we're all here to better ourselves and our community and the things we love. And I love that students can do that through academic and so many other ways campus. Rachel Johnson, thank you for joining me. Thank you so much. It's been so fun. Thank you to our guest and to you, the listener. You can follow Puget Sound on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at UNIV, U-N-I-V, Puget Sound. And we hope you'll join us next time for another episode of P.S. The Puget Sound Podcast. Podcast.